Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 46, produced 5 November 2017. Imagine for a moment an episode of the game show Jeopardy. The subject is international fruit, and the answer is Lasso Gallery, Tower of Glamis, Bloody Plowman, and James Grieve are varieties of these. If you're first to hit the buzzer and ask the question, what are Scottish apples? You'd be the winner. If you didn't know the answer, there's no shame in that. Many, if not most people, are unaware of the significant value of apples in Scottish history. However, the emergence of artisan cider as the next major sector in the Scottish drinks industry is rapidly changing that and raising the profile of this long-forgotten Scottish crop. I'm Glenn Moyer, and in a moment we compare apples to, well, apple cider, with Peter Stewart, head cider maker at Scotland's original artisan cider, Thistley Cross. Here, not under the apple tree, but under the tartan sky. History, heritage, archaeology. In 2017, Scotland invites you to peer into the mists. Scotland's history is a long and rich one, filled with stories of legends and myths. Its heritage can be found in fields of standing stones and the ruins of castles that once were clan strongholds. Through the science of archaeology, new discoveries of ruins and artefacts are continuously being made but often reveal tantalising new clues to stories yet untold. In 2017, more than 50 events are planned to build around nine major festivals, as Scotland invites visitors and locals alike to come face to face with the past. Great legends have been made throughout Scotland's history. What story will you write when you visit Scotland in the year of history, heritage and archaeology? Turn back the clock some 800 years, and apples were abundant all across Scotland. Orchards were common on large country estates and in city centre monasteries, some numbering upwards of 10,000 trees. Much of today's merchant city in Glasgow is thought to have been built on the site of an old orchard. Scottish apples were a bumper crop right into the late 19th century and were once shipped all over the world. The invention of refrigeration, though, would change all of that. Cheaper varieties, primarily Granny Smith's and Golden Delicious, could now be imported and slowly but surely edged locally grown Scottish varieties off the market shelves. Scotland's apple orchards simply began to disappear. In 2015, the Sunday Herald reported that an estimated 90% of the UK's orchards had been dug up for development or other agricultural uses. On the north bank of the River Tay, the Carse of Gallery between Perth and Dundee was a premium area for Scottish apples. Yet a survey in 2009 found that of 50 recorded orchards in the region, only 17 remained, and of those, only 9 had commercial potential. The demise of the Scottish apple was in large part an economic issue. Scottish crops simply didn't yield as well as the cheaper foreign varieties, so as those varieties grew in popularity, 
growers simply gave up and turned to more profitable pursuits. The numbers bear this out. In 2009, almost a decade ago, 70% of apples on sale in Britain were grown abroad and shipped in. It was, however, at about that time that things began to change for the better, and helping lead that change was the first of a now-growing number of artisan ciders in Scotland, Thistley Cross, established in 2008, or 9, as you'll hear. Produced at South Belton Farm in Dunbar, East Lothian, I was honored to be invited for a tour of the facility this past September while visiting Scotland. Luke Fenton showed me around and briefed me on the process of making cider before I sat down to chat with Peter Stewart, head cider maker at Thistley. My September visit was smack in the middle of the harvest, and there were bushels of apples of many varieties stacked one atop another. My conversation came at a time when the apple industry is enjoying a strong resurgence. The 2014 National Orchard Inventory for Scotland, the first to be conducted in more than a century, found orchards in 31 of 32 local authority areas. Most were small, between 30 and 100 trees, and the fruit from these trees was often used by the owners, their families, or just simply given away. Very little was being sold. Still, there's no doubt the Scottish apple is on the rebound, and the founding and success of Thistley Cross has been a part of the reason why— as Peter Stewart told me, it was time for this homegrown Scottish industry to be reborn, and Thistley Cross did its part. For Thistley Cross, um, in the first couple of years that um, I was involved in the cider, com- uh, cider making business, we did a lot of plantations ourselves down in the, the western borders. Um, Lots of lovely little sun traps. It's quite a historical area in that the the system of agriculture that's in place has been in place for hundreds of years. So there's there's sites that were previously orchards, or there's set aside bits of land that are suitable for orchards. So um, when we started on Bellingham Fruit Farm, we also planted a lot of orchards. At that time, um, we've got a south facing valley up the back that's had orchards um, in it now for seven years, seven, eight years. Um, and that's our activity. We've obviously had to dedicate ourselves to building a business and a brand, but I've always done so with the confidence that it, it offers growers and householders and smallholders and crofters um, a, a valuable opportunity to justify putting in an orchard, uh, justify maintaining the trees that they might historically have access to, and then hopefully, as we go on, as we go forward, um, justifying any further expense of putting in new trees. So over the last couple of years, we've seen a thousand tree commercial orchard go up near Haddington, and um, the amount of local apples that we harvest gone up tenfold um, and people are always getting in touch I think a bit like the North America there seems to be something about the apple which at a certain time of year uh, people go mad for apples <laughs> so you know at this time of year we're just we're going into September we've had to work quite hard over the last four five weeks almost just telling people Keep them on the trees. Yeah. Don't pick them. You know, 
wait, wait till they're right, but they're falling off. Does it matter? Yeah. You know, just leave the ones that are on the trees, on the trees. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it's like, no, we can only do things with ripe apples, you know. Um, but but that's because there's a sort of apple madness that I think that sweeps um, sweeps the north. And, uh, yeah, so... So we do have a legacy. Scotland does have a legacy. And when I trained as a cider maker, I was told that apples don't grow above Birmingham. Um, so I think we've uh, proven that. Proven that wrong. Yeah, yeah. that to be yeah. incorrect. Um, and you know we have uh, one of the the most often uh, culinary fruit that is uh, cultivated for commercial purposes is the James Greave. And James Grieve was, I think he was a minister and a gardener based out of Edinburgh. And, um, you know, so I'd have to say that's, that's pretty distinguished for a small country. Because of Thistle Cross, is there now a significant resurgence in, uh, in the apple industry? Could we see a return of an apple industry the size of what was here in the, the 19th century years? Um, absolutely. Uh, we, we're already... We've already experienced that. Um, there's, uh, the, I think there's a, there's a there's a big plantation just very close to where I live, uh, down in the Scottish Borders, and that's um, we were contacted a couple of years before that went in, and we'll be contacted again in the next year when that orchard starts to bear fruit. Uh, I think it's really important that that there's some sort of institute or association which helps to disseminate the possibilities and the information um, relevant to northern growers because Northumberland as well bears a lot of fruit which we bring up and use. Uh, There's a number of cider makers now in Scotland and they're all doing good work. They're all encouraging fruit not to be wasted and I think that that's a really strong message. Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it, it compels people to be get involved with the natural world, um, compels them to look after it and value what's on their doorstep. Some people argue against us, saying, well, it's to do with the production of alcohol, so it's not necessarily a healthy, um, sure. positive um, end goal. But I have been at Apple pressing days where I'm working with the kids, where hands are dirty, we're loading the press, we're pressing the apples, we, we, we make some juice, they drink the juice, they're loving it, totally get it. And it's the parents that are standing to the side saying, mm. oh, well, that's how you make apple juice. <laughs> and of course, they're not stupid. They've just never added up. You know, they've never experienced the... Uh, that sort of interface with the natural world in such a way where something so simple is actually so amazing and uh, just totally consuming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and I, so I think uh, we've also we also do events, Glenn, where people have come to us and say, "Oh, this is nice cider, son. Oh, this reminds me of the cider that we got when we swapped the apples last year." And say yes, that'll be Thistle Cross. That's the side, That's the side. <laughs> and they'll hardly believe us. So, um, you know, uh, if we 
yeah, there's, it, it's all good. It's all good. And we take our time making cider properly um, as best we can, as well as we can. And I think that teaches people to drink responsibly. Mm-hmm. Responsibly. Um, you know, so. Um, In the overall Scottish food and drink world, um, when people, especially North Americans like myself, think of Scotland, you think of whiskey. Oh, yeah. um, certainly in the last few years we've seen a tremendous upsurge in craft gin making here in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Where does cider fit in that overall Scots drink picture? Yeah. Are you telling the truth there, Glenn? Yeah. Yeah? So are you, are you sure when people think about Scotland they think about whiskey or do they think about scotch? Well, all right. If it's Scotch. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you caught me. Yeah. 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 Uh, but see, now I'm, I'm told that the only place it's called Scotch is where I'm from. Yeah. But over here, you know, if you go into a pub and ask for a Scotch, they're going to give you a whiskey. So I was trying to be politically correct. No, no, you're, you're very much correct. But um, I, I think but, I, you, 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 because of who you are and where you're from, you'll know the difference. Um, I mean, we... Scotch, the word Scotch tends to be almost like a word, a, a term of abuse, mm-hmm. you know, um, something that's second best or a replacement for. So, you know, if you use the word Scotch in Scotland, yeah, it might be with negative connotations. Yeah, of course, Scotland's got a great, um, great association with well made booze, and I think that. Uh, the Scots enjoy their, their booze. Um, obviously, it's a bit of an issue in some of the city centres, but um, it's been a real pleasure and a privilege and a huge benefit to the to our activity to be based in Scotland, to be from Scotland. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if Scotland's one of the most premium brands in the world for food and drink. And so for us to have a cider in a package that's obviously from Scotland. It doesn't shout about it, but there's key signifiers there. Well, the bottle cap is yeah, kind of a, it's a bit of a shout out. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, you know the answer to that one. Uh, um, you know, we're quite surprised how many people don't necessarily know the St Andrew's Cross. Don't recognise the, yeah. the cap for what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we always say it's X marks the Thistley. <laughs> Because uh, everybody knows pirate maps. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but it um, marks the treasure, so there you are. Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, that's we're well done with that. Um, so we, we've been very lucky. We, we, we perhaps, um, perhaps it's not necessarily, necessarily helped us grow the business slowly because we've, we've got involved with export markets and um, perhaps we weren't ready to service weren't ready to do the people of that place um, justice uh, because every single country in the world has all got a different connection to cider, different different history, different preconceptions, um, and it's been very rewarding, but I think it's really important to look after your home market and build it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very busy and... Exports have kept us very, very busy indeed. Um, so, but I, I love, personally, I love going to different parts of the world, 
I mean, working in North America is a case in point because you have all these different communities that belong to different parts of the country and and it's it's just such a, a heady mix of traditions, mm. whether it's in beer, obviously US craft beer is incredible now, spirits, there's there's their own, there's a particular legacy going on there with the spirits and insider. Um, it's a much stronger sort of European, uh, Eastern European connection to cider. I don't know why. I don't know why I say that or think that. But um, well, I think that's that's probably a fair statement, though. I, as yeah. I was saying earlier, we were talking. You know, having grown up in Texas, cider was never. You know, when when you're growing up and you're a young young person in in, in Texas. Beer is the first thing you start drinking, or, or a very cheap, very bad wine. Um, I don't remember ever, you know, I would say, and I'm 64 years old, and it's only been in the last few years that I've become aware of uh, one of the states is often marketed as hard cider. Mm-hmm. Um, and apple cider, you know, previously, in my mind frame, would have been very much like just apple juice and not something that I would have been terribly attracted to. Uh, of all the choices I have of drink, that would not be one of the first things that I would reach for. You guys and Thistle Cross has helped to change that now, I'm, I'm happy to say. Um, but so I think, you know, I think your comment is probably true. I, I think there's probably more of a connection to cider, I think, in the European side of the world than, than certainly on in, in the North American side. Yeah. Um, At least historically, anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yes, of course, there's New England cider. Sure. Which is world apart and it's phenomenal class of cider um, I think I enjoy the openness that that uh, that consumers have in North America to cider they're not they're not necessarily overly concerned about making cider as as their grandfather made it um, they're really wanting to experience all the flavors that, that can be achieved from cider so that's probably closer to what we're all about because one of the notions I've had to grapple with is what is Scottish cider? Mm. You know, um, we can technically have a good idea of what it might have been like, but um, with so many apples associated to so many different historical places, but there's no, there's a broken tradition there which seemed to me to offer an opportunity to create a new category basically um, there's nothing more that, than what I love is going to a certain part of the world you drink what the locals drink you love it uh, and it seems to embody that place mm-hmm. and so with this the cross my main objective was to, to to replicate that that when people find this the cross in Scotland they love it and they're just desperate to take it back home with them and you know, then we have the pleasure of meeting people like yourself that are bringing Thistley <laughs> all the way over the water, you know. Um, yeah, so, and I think that's why Thistley Cross has sort of started with quite a, a large number of ciders because we wanted to keep so many different notions alive to see where they would go. And um, we've got lots of plans for the future and we're really excited about... Um, the new ciders that will, the sort of second generation of Thistley Cross ciders that we'll introduce. Um, was it was it difficult to introduce 
fish the cross in Scotland? I mean, because you were the original cider in Scotland, yeah. is that right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that you're literally having to create a market where there was none, presumably. Yeah, we were very lucky, Glenn, because um, we started our, our market research, our initial, initial financing of the early days of Thistley Cross um, was at the time when it was in the noughties, in the late noughties, when farmers markets were really a big thing mm-hmm. um, in, in the UK. And that whole um, sort of 1970s back to nature, back to local suppliers, was, um, people had money in their pocket much more money than they do now. I remember we used to sell six bottles of 500ml cider in a bag, I think for nearly 20 quid. Um, it, it's been really interesting to see that actually people are very reluctant to part with the 20 pounds now, you know, so uh, we tend to sell more of the 330ml bottles. Mm-hmm. So in those early days, there was a real sense of excitement and people would go to the farmer's markets and they would try and buy and support the local makers. It was wonderful. Um, I think it would be very difficult to start now without without that test bed for us to refine what Scottish cider might be, feedback with them and build up relationships with uh, key customers um, who are now friends and are still supporting us after all these years. Um, it was it was wonderful actually. That was we we hiccups along the way. <laughs> uh, what our, uh, our original cider, I remember getting castigated at an event because uh, these ladies said, oh, we bought six of these yesterday and we took them home, we drank the lot and, you know, we weren't drunk, so we had to go and get a <laughs> bottle of wine each. <laughs> Can you not make it stronger? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so if we'd listened to that consumer feedback, we might have um, we might have got into a wee bit more trouble than we have. Yeah. So. <laughs> and you launched in 2008 is that correct? yeah so yeah. we we um, I was in, uh, making cider commercially prior to that but through that experience Ian and I became friends and really by by October 2008 we were the fruit farm was growing and was um, getting built so we were able to start pressing here at Thistley Cross at that time um, and we sold our first bottle of Thistley Cross in the spring of the following year. So we're still trying to make up our minds whether we celebrate our 10th birthday in October uh, 2018 or springtime 2019. Yeah. It really depends on how organised we are. <laughs> so. Okay. What's the magic behind the name Thistley Cross? Where did that come from? Yeah, I, um, I'm, a low, uh, I'm a proud Scotsman. Very proud of, you know... Or is there any other country? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can say that because I'm a proud Texan, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Thistley Cross is named after a little steading, um, which was a crossroads, which has now been uh, built over by the A1. We were based now on West Barnes. That, that steading is fed from the Thistley Cross well. So Thistley Cross was very much about this place this part of the world. Okay. Um, the St Andrew's Cross was viewed in the sky at Athelstainford, just a wee while, just a couple of miles up the road. Um, so the the St Andrew's flag 
belongs to this place mm. as well. And but most most importantly, I think the 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 name felt right because it rolls off the tongue, as you would hope. Yeah, any good tasty product would, and it seems to capture that romance and and the na- natural world of Scotland, which is what we're all about. Um, and it, you know, and it does so, Glenn, without sort of shouting that it's from Scotland. Right, well, it's conveyed. It's not. Um, directly communicated yeah Yeah. let's go back a minute to defining what is Scottish cider because you do what eight nine different varieties now yeah uh, absolutely probably over ten our core range uh, has been working with six different varieties for the the eight years eight nine years and we've just released uh, a new cider in the core range, which will be our cloudy 5.5%, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, a nice medium dry cider uh, that's that's cloudy. Um, and we've managed to achieve that cloudiness in the cider without resorting to the normal techniques of pouring yeast back into lovely cider or whatever. Um, it's something that we've dealt with for a number of years because... Our scrumpy jaggy thistle is unfiltered, but it's relatively clear. And that's because it's vintage and the cider clears naturally. You want to polish your cider um, as you mature it because it keeps all the keeps the dirty bottom, the lees, away from the final product. Um, if, if you want a bit of funk, that's fine. Keep it in there. Um, but with the jaggy, we clean it slowly over a number of years and a number of different rackings but still in the UK there's this misconception that scrumpy must be cloudy and the commercial side of the of the cider industry know this and so they pour yeast back in uh, or resort to other tactics um, and this is why we're very pleased and delighted to be able to launch a new cloudy Sorry, a new core range cider. So that's seven in our core range. And then we work with a number of different special editions, summer seasonal, summer one-offs, because um, we're always thinking about what's next, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. So Is there a danger of too many varieties dilutes the product? Yeah, it dilutes the brand. Um, well, I think looking at it, I think I sort of see it as a big family tree, really. Mm-hmm. And from generation to generation, you want variation and yeah, uh, black sheep's <laughs> getting involved and uh, uh, yeah, fun and games. I think cons- I think consumers, there's I think I think the 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 modern day consumer is about to rock the world. Um, for the last couple of hundred years, basically, we're all very familiar about going into some sort of structure, shop, and the geography of the shop dictates what you what you purchase and consume, and that whole world's going to go. So we're getting ready to be part of that that new world of possibilities that that those that new decision making process which we know the social media, um, the internet's at the heart of that. Sure. Um, 
But so I want to embrace that because I think it'll open up a new world of cider opportunities, and that's why I say get excited. We're going to, you know, we're going to be doing some good stuff. Is there a particular of your varieties? Do you have to use your term? Do you have do you have a bestseller? And then who's your black sheep? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jaggy's probably our black sheep at the moment, but um, it does very well down in the southwest, where there's that real affinity to scrumpy and. Now, and for those that don't know the terms, the scrumpy, as Luke was telling me on the tour, is that's a naturally fermented cider that, that does not involve yeast in the process at all. Is that right? Um, it, 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 explain to me then the, the difference. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what would be a scrumpy, your, your jaggy versus your other ciders? Yeah, so with our jaggy is an contro- uh, uncontrolled fermentation and uncontrolled maturation. With, with our other ciders, um, the ciders work with a controlled fermentation and a controlled maturation. And that's really just about flavour characteristics. We want the ciders to be true to themselves. So um, we're all very familiar with the world of beer and beer styles represent certain techniques. And when you start combining beer styles, there's a technical impact there. Um, but consumers can understand what a uh, what a Russian imperial double hopped stout it is, mm-hmm. um, and so what we're trying to do with this lacrosse is take it to that point where we really sort of chart all the different styles of cider out there um, and address them. Hopefully, we'll have the technical ability to replicate some of them, um, uh, and we're at the very beginning of that journey so scrumpy is comes from scrumped apples um, I'm sure it's probably an archaic French word or something originally um, and that is simply um, an agricultural product uh, typically thought to be from the southwest of England uh, where the apples were small um, quite sharp uh, not necessarily good for eating, so the thing that was left to do with them was to juice them, and and then so there's this uncontrolled uh, process of fermentation, and that results in a certain type of cider, usually dry because it's usually left for a couple of years to finish the job. Because again, there's um, if you're managing the fermentation, that's an element of control, and that. And certain sort of flavour characteristics um, are achieved that way. So we sort of um, create, recreate those conditions with our jaggy thistle. So jaggy is probably our black sheep at the moment. Um, whiskey cask, that's obviously Scottish. We're, you know, uh, down south, um, a lot of cider was matured and conditioned in rum casks because you had all that trade with the West Indies and the rum would come over, the casks would be emptied and then all those farms and the landholders would basically fill those empty casks with cider. So there's a real affinity uh, between cider and rum mm-hmm. in that part of the world and so we've created this affinity up in Scotland between whiskey and cider. Um, so the whiskey cask does very well in new markets. It, it tends to take Thistley Cross, introduce us to, to new to new markets around the world. 
Our traditional is our best seller in the UK. And this year, probably our fastest selling cider would be our elderflower cider. Mm. Elderflower seems to have captured the zeitgeist a little bit. And it's a very tasty cider. We dry hop the cider with real elderflowers. And it's just a lovely, natural, tasting, floral it, cider. It is. I was telling Luke, it's one of my, of the various varieties that I've tried. Elderflower was one that I found most unique and, and most enjoyable. Um, the elderflower, the ginger, uh, but I love anything ginger, so you had, yeah. me, at the, you had me at ginger on that. <laughs> uh, you know, the traditional. I, I have to admit, um, perhaps maybe I shouldn't, but I will. Uh, the whiskey cask is probably my least favorite yeah. uh, of all. Um, and, of course, I was anxious to try the, the strawberry. And that may have been where the conversation began was I like um, Red's Strawberry Ale, which mm, is sold yeah. in the USA. And I think that's where my friend saw me talking about that and led, said, well, then you should try this uh, cider called this lacrosse. And and my first reaction was, oh, darn, I can't get the strawberry in the States. You know, I had some conversations with Sabrina, your distributor, about trying to get my hands on some. And I appreciate being able to have some while I'm here in Scotland. Um, and I do quite like it. Um, but, yeah, the it's I, I suppose I guess it's interesting to see individual taste amongst your consumers. And that's a, a good reason for having variety because if all you made was whiskey cask, I probably would not be a fan of, <laughs> of uh, Thistley Cross. So thank goodness you do make other varieties. Yeah. Did you try the whiskey cask from the Bavarian distillery that we uh, I dropped a couple of bottles into? Is that into the slurs? Slurs. No, yeah. I have not. Right. I have not. tried. Nor have I tried the, the cloudy. I have those bottles oh, set okay. aside, so I will. Yeah, um, grand. Yeah. Yeah, the strawberries, with the change in legislation in the US, uh, the strawberries now available. So... I believe some strawberry will be on its way to Texas very soon. Yeah, good. That, yeah, Luke had said that, that you were now being able to import some of it into the States. Is there growing competition? Have you have you start having created essentially a market for Scottish cider? Have you created perhaps your own monster in that now others said, hmm, well, that looks like a good idea, I think. And, and, and you're obviously a small company. Yes, we are. Do, do the big boys now start to recognize, well, there's... There's money to be made here, and so let's go jump into that. Um, mm. And does that become a danger to you? I've always argued that there should we should have more competition than what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and competition's a good thing, ultimately, um, especially when it's like for like. You know, um, I think if the big boys got involved, they could probably... Um, get rid of us very quickly and so luckily that's not been the case and I think ultimately it's about what you want to achieve really we're all having lots of fun we're enjoying what we're doing we're working hard totally engaged with making cider the sale of it uh, building the company um, talking to people like yourself uh, meeting meeting friends of Thistley Cross all around the world and as long as that in itself is not challenged, Glenn, and I'm mm-hmm. very, I'm a very happy man. I don't want to do anything else with my life. Yeah, you know. So I would hate to think that that could that we we would all lose that opportunity because it's not just me; it's all the team, and uh, you know we have we have people involved in the team that have had a career change to come and work with us. Um, We've got people at the very beginning of their indus- uh, their professional career who are just loving it. 
and we've got people that have moved from country from another country to be here and they've all got something to give and they yeah so it's we're a small company we're part of a category that's got lots of room to grow um hopefully uh hopefully that, that despite all the huge mergers and acquisitions going on within the craft industry and the alcohol industry the wider alcohol industry hopefully we'll be allowed to thrive and just keep doing what we're doing firm believer we started this company um, we started selling the cider and our job really now is to understand what people think of Thistle Cross why do they love us so much why do they love Thistle Cross so much and that's that's the only way, only way that I measure success now is trying to harness that love, that positive response that people have to this thing that we do mm-hmm. every day. Drives us mad, <laughs> knackers us out. <laughs> people seem to love it though, and um, we just want to get better and keep keep doing that. Really, um, I've noticed in, in from a marketing standpoint, there's. Scotland has a whiskey trail. Yeah. Tourists can come and, and obviously sample various whiskeys by following the trail in certain distilleries. When the, the gin explored, uh, exploded just a few years ago, there's now a massive craft gin market uh, yes. in Scotland, and, and they just created a new gin trail. And, and in fact, I think just recently there was the first uh, Scottish Gin Awards to recognize fine gin production. Um is that down the road for cider? Is there going to be a, a cider trail in Scotland, do you think? And maybe the first cider awards? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I wish I wish we had a marketing department that was as well-resourced as the whiskey and the gin uh, industry in Scotland and yeah. we may be able to do such a thing. But then again, if we did... Might not choose to spend the money in the same way. <laughs> uh, I think. I think probably. I think it'd be much. With regards to cider, I think it'd be really interesting for people to, for there to be a database in Scotland to to show people. Uh, where the trees are, and the different environments that those trees have managed to survive over the last uh, couple of hundred years. And that would record monasteries, castles, big houses, uh, ruins. Um, it would record local endeavour. And then in, in amongst that, you might have a couple of nice pubs and a couple of other small uh-huh. producers. I think that would be a good day's walk. So there'd be a, yeah, there'd be a nice historical connection, yeah, yeah. historical tourism tied to the cider. Yeah. You have an interesting program that I don't want to get away without talking about, and that is your Apple donation program, um, right. where... Apple growers, folks that just have a, an apple tree in the back garden, are free to bring their apples and, and donate them to you. And in return, they take home either some cider or uh, Thistley Cross or apple juice. Yep. But that seems a very homegrown approach to when, when one thinks of, of, of a company that creates apple cider, you assume they're going out and buying up all the apples in town or um, yeah, you're, you're not doing that, and that's a sizable portion of your business, I understand. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it's increasingly so, and there's a. I think it goes back to that sense of a broken industry, and in, in the locality, whether it's Northumberland, uh, and the rest of Scotland, um, there's a lot of apples on the trees. A lot are going to waste, and uh, really don't want to lose that crop. It's a very valuable thing. 
and it and it, it teaches it passes on that confidence to landowners, smallholders, to invest in trees, um, because there's a value to that. Um, yeah, we, we we call it a bucket for a bottle, <laughs> and I still can't work out if it's if it's just thriftiness by this by a Scottish company working in Scotland. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I don't, there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who wins. Whether we win or or yeah. or or, don, or the the people who donate apples to us win, but you know what? We love it. It's a huge logistical nightmare. Um, the team at Bellhaven Fruit Farm, the the strawberry barn there, um, they they run the apple reception area, and um, you know they've they're kept very very busy with it. Um, but we just love it, and we couldn't stop doing it. Now you know it's. We've even got a postie that drives around, uh, collect, <laughs> collecting apples. I'm not saying that he does it when he's working, but uh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's lots of fun. It's lots of fun. Is there a? I guess and I put this to Luke, so I'm curious to see your answer too. Is I guess my question would be, if I have apples, why would I give them to you when the assumption is that I could sell them to you? Well, you can sell them to us. Um, I just It wouldn't be as profitable as swapping a bucket for a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's literally 10 pence a kilo. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're offering a lot more than that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know... I, again, look, that's getting into the Scottish psychology. <laughs> I don't really want to go there. Everybody's happy. Don't, don't rock works. the boat. It was right. Yeah. If, it, if it ain't broke, don't fit. Yeah. yeah, I got you. And, and I suppose a lot of those are, we're not talking about giant orchards giving you a full crop of, we're, we're talking primarily smaller. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the trees out there are big old trees that have not really been tended. So, yeah. you know, um, I can collect a ton of apples from five, six big old trees. Um, so you, you just you just really never know yeah. uh, what's going to come in the door. Uh, we do try and make sure that they don't come in poly polythene shopping bags because that's not very good for the fruit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose there's probably not too many Granny Smiths that show up in uh, Thistle Cross Cider. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Well, that has to be a great... A really great ground level marketing program because you're really you're meeting the people and and talking to the people that are really directly involved in your end product. I think it's yeah. I think there's probably a world of commerce which doesn't touch many people's lives, um, and an Apple Exchange seems to break through that. So as I said, um, you know we can be standing at a show, letting people try their our cider this from Thistle Cross, and they'll be saying. This is just like that cider that we got when we swapped those apples last year. You yeah. know, there's no brand recognition, there's no marketing <laughs> benefits whatsoever. It's all about the apples, and uh, but that's why we love it, really. Yeah. Um, so, where do you want to see Fishley Cross go? What's what's in the future? Uh, I think my team, the team, and myself all want to get better at what we're doing. Um, make a, a life out of it and um, we want to fully engage with the world of cider and fully engage with um, our, our friends at home and abroad we would like to build exports 
because exports exports offer the team and I an opportunity to understand a new world of cider opportunities and we really want to be in a place to act upon that. It's exciting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's not about building sales, it's about building craft. My thanks, as always, to my guest, Peter Stewart, head cider maker at Thistley Cross. For my listeners in the USA, if you're interested in trying Thistley, you need not travel to Scotland, though I highly recommend that on many accounts. America is Thistley's strongest international market, and while not universally available, it can be found, even if with a little effort. In the show notes on our website, you'll find a list of states and the distributing companies in each that you can contact to find out if there is a stockist near you. If your state is not listed, but you have a Whole Foods or a World Market retailer near you, they may carry it or be able to order it for you. Likewise, some local package stores might be able to help if you ask. I think you'll find the search worth the effort. I did. It was after posting on social media about my enjoyment of Red's Strawberry Ale that my Scottish friend Natalie of London via Edinburgh suggested I try Thistley Cross. Ironically, I found it in Baton Rouge, Louisiana last spring when I was attending a gig of the Scottish bag rock band, the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Just look for the distinctive blue and white St. Andrew's Cross bottle caps and Slangeva. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer, Tapalev, Agus Alapa Gubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Or get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol, tartansky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>